Well, let's pray and um, we will jump into the message this evening. Lord, we give you thanks for your faithfulness, for the fact that no matter what goes on around us, no matter how cloudy our vision is, it does not change your character. You are unfaltering, you are unfailing, you are holy, just, good, kind, merciful, faithful in all things. We give you praise. Lord, uh, please use your word now to inform our hearts and our minds to affect our lives, even going from this place tonight into, into our hard routine this week. God, be gracious and let your spirit work conviction and encouragement and fortification for faithful living. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, uh, the FBI has a 10 most wanted list. You heard of that? The 10 most wanted fugitives uh, can be found on FBI.gov, in case you're wondering. And there's pictures, in case you want to know who to avoid and who to make a phone call about. The crimes perpetrated by these people range and include but are not limited to things like murder, kidnapping, racketeering, armed robbery. The FBI says this, the 10 Most Wanted Fugitives program is a publicity program founded by the FBI in March of 1950 in conjunction with the nation's news media. It is designed to publicize particularly dangerous fugitives who might not otherwise merit nationwide attention, a la, they didn't bomb some huge building and is blasted all over CNN and ESPN and all of those kind of things. Uh, requirements for making it on the list for, uh, for these fugitives. First, the, the f individual must have a lengthy record of committing serious crimes and or be considered a particularly dangerous menace to society due to current criminal charges. They have to have done something like murder or kidnapping or racketeering or burglary on a, on, a, on a high level or armed robbery. So that's the first thing. Lengthy record of serious crimes be considered particularly dangerous menace. Second, it must be believed that the nationwide publicity afforded by the program can be of assistance in apprehending the fugitive who in turn should not already be notorious due to other publicity. So that is, the, the FBI is thinking, we've got to blast this picture and the, this, this description all over because this man is a menace to society or this woman is a menace to society, but the people around them may not know it yet, and so they need to know. In short, you don't want to be on the most wanted list. These are serious crimes. These have a serious punishment, and there is a serious commitment to apprehension of these criminals. These men and women are all rascals. Now, Dr. Oaks, are you here? There he is, Dr. Oaks. Rascal is one of your favorite words, isn't it? It is, yep. Now, the way my friend Dr. Oaks uses the word rascal, it just refers to a mischievous little child. All right, but the primary definition of a rascal goes like this a mean, unprincipled or dishonest person. Synonyms for rascal include evildoer, villain, wretch, monster, brute, 
Fiend. So be careful, Dr. Oaks. <laughs> God, God has a most wanted list, as it is. And on this list are rascals, are, are villains and fiends and, and wretched, wicked men and women. Rascals who have committed serious crimes and have a serious punishment coming. Now Solomon gives his son a warning about rascals, a warning we do well to pay attention to for the sake of examining our own lives as well as having awareness about others. If you haven't already, open up your Bible to uh, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 to 15 say this. A worthless person... A wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly he will be broken and there will be no healing. In these verses, Solomon gives us a three-dimensional portrait of the rascal on God's most wanted list. The first dimension of this portrait is this, the, su the suspect's description. Solomon starts right out the gate and tells his son, this is a worthless person. Worthless. Worthless means no good, right? But in relation to what? What is the good that this person is worthless with regards to? A person who's worthless in a fight means he can't throw a solid punch. A person who's, who's worthless in the kitchen means he can't cook. A person who's worthless on the basketball court means he can't dribble the ball. So this person's worthlessness here, this worthless person, has to do with righteousness and doing good in and for society. Okay, so it's not necessarily some particular skill that he's worthless in. He's just worthless for good, for, for benefiting society, for the, the uplifting and, and, and building up and, and care and good of the people around him. If the righteous positive impact of society via a person's words and actions is the good at hand, hey, that's the good. This person's worthless. Let's take a look at a couple of examples of this. Proverbs 16. Flip or scroll with me. Proverbs 16. Verse 27 says... Uh, a worthless man digs up evil, while his words are like scorching fire. Zero good with regards to others and society around him is this man who digs up evil and has words like scorching fire. If we look back in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 14. We'll start in verse 12. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God has given you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, 
Let us go and serve other gods whom you have not known. Then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true in the matter established that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword. These men are worthless and their worthlessness have corrupted a whole city such that its destruction is required. Zero good for society and the people that these men were around. In uh, Judges, we see another example here. Judges 19, verse 22 says, While they were celebrating, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless fellows, okay, this is when the angels have come and, um, and, and were given shelter, and while they were celebrating, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless fellows surrounded the house, pounded the door, and they spoke to the owner of the house, the old man, saying, bring out the men who came into your house that we may have relations with him. I'm sorry, that's not the angels, that's the Levite. But these, these worthless fellows are so fixated on, on moral nastiness that they're willing to go pound on a door and demand that there be a, a release of this man into their hands. That's, that's the worthlessness. In fact, the, the adjective used here in Proverbs 6 is a, is a phrase, belial, okay, which maybe rings a little bit of a bell for you. Um, just this adjective came to connote the embodiment of, of, of worthlessness in such a way that it could just be even personified. And then came to be used as a reference to Satan and even to the Antichrist of just the absolute epitome of worthlessness in terms of good and righteousness. That's what uh, Paul references in 2 Corinthians 6 verses 14 to 15 where he says, how, how can Christ be, be partnered with Belial, this, this epitome of worthlessness and so Solomon is here bringing up a warning to his son about this worthless person. This person who is, who is no good in terms of the influence on society around him. They're no good when it comes to God's plan and will for people to be righteous, constructive parts of society. But the suspect is not only worthless in the sense of not having those positive aspects, he's also a wicked man. They're worthless for righteousness, not because they're simply neutral Switzerland or something like that, like, oh, they just never do any good. They are actively in the process of, of degrading and destructing society around them. They're characterized by wickedness. They cause trouble. They bring misery. They bring strife. They bring calamity and misfortunes on others around them. This person is the active cause of spiritual and physical ruin in the lives of others around them. Worthless and wicked. That's the description of this rascal. So be aware in your own life. Be aware in the lives of others around you. Is there a tendency at all towards destructiveness? Is there a tendency towards being useless for good? 
Because God's will and God's plan is that, is that we're, we're constructive, godly, righteous parts of the communities around us. And yet here, this, this person that Solomon gives his, war, his son a warning about, this person is useless for those ends. And so we have to step back just for a moment and say, where, what is my characteristic? Am I, am I useless towards good? If someone were to describe me, to describe you, would they say, oh, that person brings so much good into the lives of those around us. He brings so much benefit to the communities that he's part of. Or, man, that guy leaves all sorts of wreckage in his wake. Would they say, oh, she is such an example of righteous living as God has prescribed? Or would they say, I tell you what, I can't think of the last time that she did something for the benefit of others around her. She's all about the the selfish ends, justifying the destructive means. And you don't want to be on God's suspect list. But you might be, or you might know someone who is, depending on how you answer those questions. But but Solomon details it out further. He gives the the list of crimes that the rascal commits. So we've got the the description of the suspect, and now here are the crimes of the suspect beginning in uh, the second part of verse 12. This worthless person, this wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Distorted speech. Okay, distorted speech is a crime of this rascal that's on God's list. Literally, it's, it's a crooked, it's a twisted mouth. And I think that that can, that can run the gamut to just a bald, from a bald-faced lie to, to that, that, that time where you're, you're, you're processing what you're about to say and you say, oh man, if I, if I say the full truth, it's going to make it seem like this. But if I, if I just, just twist it just a little bit, if I just distort that speech just a little bit, then you know what, that's going to bring me gain even if it ends up kind of hurting or singeing or bringing destruction to others around me. Okay, this, is, this is twisted speech. Where truth is straight, the rascal speaks partial truths, twisted truths, straight out lies. I mean, it's, it's interesting though. <laughs> Look at what Solomon says. He, he's the one who walks with a perverse mouth. You don't walk with your mouth. Come on, Solomon. Don't you know how you walk? You walk with your legs. But he's saying this is the pattern of his life. This is, this is his M.O., of speech, his MO of just being in relationship is that there's a twisting of speech. People can't trust what you say. Because it's a characteristic of this rascal's life to, to just distort it just, just enough or to the extreme that the truth is, is hidden. So be warned. Patterns of twisted speech, a reluctance to speak truth, an ease of lying. Those are crimes and characteristics of a rascal who finds himself on God's wanted list. Distorted speech and false assurances. Here, look at verse 13. Who winks with his eyes. This is, this is, a, this is a, just a pinching together of, of your eye, just like you know, you know. Just for fun, how many of you cannot wink just one eye? Yes, I knew you were out there. That's okay. We winkers care for you still. 
It's pressing your eyes together, winking for the sake of evil and deceit. This is not, this is not a cutesy little wink for the sake of conveying affection, you know. I'm just looking at you. It's not that, okay. It's not designed to convey fun or affection. This is a wink for the sake of giving false assurances so that the rascal can carry out his plan. It's, it's, it's uh, oh yeah, you can count on me when all the while I have these ulterior plans to bring about my own end. Dave Foss, nothing to worry about. Wink. See? I've got my goals. They're for your destruction, but I'm going to use my facial cues to signal otherwise so that you won't know. This rascal uses distorted speech. He uses, he uses false assurances, and he uses misleading actions. Look at the next phrase, who signals with his feet. This is a little bit difficult. Literally, it's just he scrapes his foot. <laughs> Helpful. But basically, he, he, he gestures with his foot for any number of reason to carry out his destructive purpose. If that's to say, you know, like, like, like okay, I'm going to go this way. Psych, you fell in the pit. I'm not going that way. You know, it could be that or it could be, it could be okay. You know, some, some commentators would say that this is the signals of a, of a criminal who signaled to his, uh, signaling to his co-conspirators in the midst of trying to carry out their crime, and so it's okay. When I scrape my foot in the, in the symbol of you know, an X, then that's when you go in for the, the steal. Whichever. The point is, is that this person is using his body, using his actions for the sake of the, the destruction of others, for the sake of moral corruption, and for the sake of achieving his own illicit ends. And, and, and we, we see that he's using everything from his his eyes down to his toes. Okay, this, this person is devoted to these things. So from his head to his toe, this wicked, worthless man does everything possible to bring about his evil intentions. He signals, he gestures, he misleads. So he uses distorted speech. He uses false assurances. He uses misleading actions. And he uses deceptive cues. Look at the next one. Who points with his fingers. So he walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He signals with his feet. He points with his fingers. Now, if you have a, an NAS with um, the little numbers next to the words, you might look and see that it says he instructs with. That's because this word is often used in, in an instructional capacity. And so even to the point of a person trying to supposedly teach or instruct someone in such a way, it's all for the sake of misleading, all for the sake of deceiving for his own good and for the, the detriment of those around him. The gestures of this rascal, even gestures perceived as, as helpfully instructive, are ultimately for the sake of wickedness. Think of, uh, think of a thief or a con man. I mean, think of what the magicians do. Um, it just, you know, they're, they're gesturing with this hand while they're, while they're, while they're as, a, as a distraction, and then, and then with the other hand they're, they're doing something else, whatever it may be. Or... I remember, maybe you guys probably never did this, but I did. I remember thinking that when I was a kid, if I said something, but if I crossed my fingers behind my back, 
then that nullified the fact that I was just lying through my teeth. Like, this, this just made it okay. That's what I thought, because cross your fingers, you know, hey, it means you don't really mean it, but they don't know that, right? So it's using gestures of some sort to, to deceive and to twist and to uh, bring down others for the sake of your own good. And that can be in, a, in an individual context of just one-on-one. It could be in the, as, as some of those commentators thought, it could be in the sense of, you know, I've got, I've got me and my, my group of buddies and we're, we're, we've got this plan to, um, to manipulate and to deceive this one person or this group of people into a, into a destructive end for them so that we can achieve our own ends, whether it's social, um, you know, a social boost to make us look cool or whether it's to be able to steal something or hurt someone or whatever the case may be. You know, again, you've got this whole, this whole spectrum of how this can be played out. But the point is that this, this worthless, wicked man uses all of his faculty at his means for the, the, the deception and the destruction of those that are around him. And Solomon wants his son to be aware of these types of people. Implicitly, he doesn't want his son to be one of those people, but he wants him to be aware of these type of people as well. These type of people that have distorted speech, that have false assurances, that have misleading actions, that utilize deceptive cues, and that have perverse plans. See... Solomon is no fool. He knows the truth that Jesus later taught, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And nothing proceeds from a person except what's already in you. And so your actions and your words come from what's in your heart. Solomon knows that these actions of this worthless and wicked man spring from the perversity of their hearts. This person's inner control center, okay, so not just this, this beating organ that pushes the blood around our, heart, our, our bodies. This person's inner control center for his thoughts and desires and affections and will is broken. It's twisted from its original intention and skewed to a destructive bent. He has a perverse heart that continually devises evil. Not only, does this, not only does this convey the source of the criminal actions, but it also gives depth to the need of this man. It's not just external reform. It's not just, hey, stop, stop lying. Hey, stop, stop giving deceptive cues. He has perversity in his heart that needs cleansing. He needs a new heart. The worthless, wicked man needs to not only cease his actions, but he needs a new heart, for his heart really is the problem. When it says that his heart continually devises evil, it's this idea that his heart continually devises evil all the time. It's even just emphasized up on top of the emphasis. This is continual and it's all the time in case you didn't get the continual aspect. It's not an isolated incident. It's, it's very much akin to the statement back in Genesis 6, before the flood, where the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
That's where our perversity of heart leads. It's to this, to this, this downward and ever more destructive spiral of, of, of descent into the place where it's just perversity all the time. I don't care if it's destroying those around me. I don't care if it's misleading those around me. I don't care if it has this sort of a negative impact around me. This is what my heart is producing, and I'm happy about it because it's benefiting me. This is this worthless and wicked rascal. But not only does he have perverse plans, he also seeks discord and conflict. And really, this is ultimately kind of the main crime, as it were. This is the end game. Because this, this is the main verb of this phrase. He, he, he does all these things with his distorted speech and his, and his misleading cues and his, uh, his, his winking eyes and his uh, perverse heart. But his goal in all of that is to spread strife. The end game for this rascal is discord, strife, and conflict. His goals are destructive. To tear down to damage individuals and communities around him. Why does his heart plan to create strife? Why does he wink, signal, and point to bring about discord and damage? Why does his heart dream up perverse plans? He wants to create strife to achieve his ends. The Hebrew makes it sound like the rascal is the master and strife is his messenger that he's sending out into the midst of those around him. He literally sends out strife. He, he, he sends forth conflict. Conflict is his messenger, and he sends forth the messenger frequently. And then in the midst of the strife, and in the midst of the conflict, the rascal is able to take advantage of the situation and cause destruction while reveling in his ungodliness. That's, that's important to take note of. Okay, the, the end result of this wicked and worthless man's action is strife, conflict, disunity. Okay, community angst and destructiveness. God has intended from the very beginning that the people, people as a whole, but especially people in, in, his, in his community, in the people, the community of God's people, that unity and kindness should characterize them, should characterize those communities and the people in those communities. That's his, that was his original intention for all of men, and so this is this skewing and this, this brokenness being expressed as it were. But, but it's crucial to recognize that this is the end of this man. The goal of this man is that he wants to spread strife, which which defies God's plan and flies in the face of God's will for men. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And the rascal says, Bah, I am going to just set that ablaze so that I can achieve my own goals. Ephesians 4.1-3 says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the rascal, this worthless and wicked man before the Lord, he goes after that unity 
and seeks to create and to spread strife and conflict. It reveals a completely selfish heart. A worthless and wicked man is a selfish man. He's regularly consumed with his own progress and gain and just utterly devoid of the care and concern for others. He's willing and even eager to tear down and to destroy others for his own schemes. Forget deference. Forget preferring others. Forget serving others. Don't even talk to him about, about seeking the good of others. He revels in and schemes for discord and strife so that he can take advantage of it. It's quite a picture. He's a rascal indeed. He's mean, he's unprincipled, and he's dishonest. This person is a villain before the Lord. So be aware. Keep a close eye out for those around you. Don't be, don't be taken in by the deceit of these wicked men and women. Watch for patterns of this in the lives of others. Watch for patterns of this in your own life. Admonish those in and outside of the church if these are found to be defining characteristics. Check your own heart to see if any of these things, it's not like you have to you know, have, have all seven items before you qualify as a, as, as a wicked and worthless man. It's just, just this, this idea of, of, of selfish willingness to, to destroy those around you for your own good, however that expresses itself. Looking for patterns of that. And if you see that in yourself or in others around you, then be warned. For Solomon now turns to the sentence of the suspect. We've seen his description. We've seen the suspect's crimes. And now we see the sentence of the suspect. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly, he will be broken. And there will be no healing. Therefore, because of who this wicked and worthless man is, because of what he has done, and, the, and the, the end result of what he does, his punishment is unstoppable and his punishment is complete. It's unstoppable because Solomon, that's his point when he says, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly he will be broken. This is not a three strikes and you're out, buddy, kind of scenario. This is this person lives in such a way and then... At one point, all of a sudden, instantly, out of the blue, without warning, he's destroyed. So you can put yourself in the shoes of this wicked and worthless man, and this wicked and worthless man is, is walking with his, perver- with his, his crooked speech and, and his gesturing hands and his shuffling feet and all those things. And he's walking along thinking, Woo, this is great. I am so getting away with all of this. Look at how I'm manipulating everybody around me. And then, bam! He's done. His calamity comes. I think I just scared my son. His calamity will come suddenly, instantly. He will be broken and there will be no healing. If this is who you are, then the result is punishment. There is no stopping it. There is no escaping it. It's unstoppable because it is instant and sudden. 
And the punishment is calamity and brokenness. God is sometimes portrayed in our society as being some sort of kindly grandfather sort of figure up in, up in the clouds who sort of looks down and chuckles and says, oh, you naughty, naughty kids, come here, I'm going to slap your hands, you know. And that's, and that's, that's God, okay. But that is not so. Calamity is destruction and disaster, Think of what God promised to Israel for the sake of, because of all, all, their, all their false worship and because of all their betrayals of him, God said, I am going to bring calamity and destruction upon you. And what did that mean? That meant calamity and destruction. That meant rubble. That meant fire. That meant buildings being torn down, walls being burst apart. That meant people being slaughtered, people being taken from their homes, people being split apart in families and sent to different parts of the world. Calamity is destruction and disaster. Broken, as he says here, instantly he will be broken. Broken means busted. It's it's a fractured neck. It's a ship that has struck rocks such to the point that it's disintegrating in the water. It's a, a piece of, of pottery that I've, I've thrown on the ground from here and it just shatters into a thousand pieces. Broken is broken and this wicked and worthless man is, will be instantly broken. And all of this calamity and brokenness is carried out by the gloriously holy and completely sovereign God. Not grandfather, you know, shaking his fingers at someone. This is, this is the holy and righteous judge bringing the just punishment upon a wicked and a worthless man. And it will be instant and it will be sudden. And it will be complete. His punishment will be unstoppable. His punishment will be complete because, as verse 15 says, there will be no healing. What God breaks will not be healed. There is no cure When God brings calamity to the wicked man, it will not be rebuilt. Psalm is not explicit about the application of this. It certainly could be true that he means it in an immediate fashion. For example, the rascal is found out. All his deceiving is discovered. All his lies are are now revealed for what they are. And so his reputation is ruined. His finances are destroyed. Uh, His remaining years, he's consigned to prison. His family is torn away from him. That that is a possibility. But it could also be true that it's a spiritual and and an eternal emphasis. The rascal may live life thinking he succeeded in living in such a way. He may end up thinking as he's lying on his deathbed, I got away with it all. Only to find, only to discover the after death, the totally irreversible nature of his calamity and destruction. I think the prior, the the more physical and immediate one is, is possibly true. God in his justice and in his righteousness can bring punishment and consequence to those sins in that moment. 
Wickedness and worthlessness may be found out during this life and reputation could very well be ruined and wealth easily lost because of those things. Relationships might utterly be destroyed. That's certainly a possibility, but it's not, a, it's not necessarily a biblical certainty. So it's not a, it's not a surety and, there's, and, and, and even then it's not even necessarily guaranteed irreparable. And so while the first option of immediate application is, is possible, what is guaranteed is the spiritual and eternal element of the destruction of the wicked and the worthless man. I think of Psalm 73. Psalm 73 just is, a, is an open and honest confession by the psalmist that I struggled when I watched the seeming success of the wicked man. It's like he's got it all. He's got the easy life. He's got lots of wealth. Look at him. He's even dying in an easy fashion. And so even the psalmist right there is saying, look, I, even in his death, the wicked man seems to have it easy. And the psalmist wrestles with that until he comes to the end of the psalm and he realizes and remembers and reminds himself, oh, wait, what is the end of the wicked and the worthless man? It's destruction. He goes from, oh, to be in the self-indulgent, successful class of the wicked to, oh, wait, they're headed for calamity. They're headed for brokenness. They're heading for irreparable damage, eternal sentencing to punishment and consequence. I'll admit, one of the greatest struggles in my own heart I think, I think probably one of the greatest struggles just in society as a whole is, is, is short-sightedness. I think sometimes I think something fleeting will satisfy. Or we think that getting away with something temporarily means we've truly been undiscovered. But that's just because we're too short-sighted. We're so fixated on the here and now that we forget all of what is to come, both the rest of our lives and eternity even beyond that. We're so short-sighted that we forget the all-seeing eye of God who misses nothing but is oh so patient. The all-seeing eye of God with whom a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So what is it to God if he waits until tomorrow or until next week or in five years or until a person dies to bring the recompense for their wickedness and their worthlessness. What is that to God? His justice will still be meted out and his wrath will be satisfied and the punishment, the sentence will be carried out if that is the pattern of this person as described here. They will be destroyed and that destruction will be complete as they are broken and there will be no healing. So be warned that the worthless and wicked man does not escape his consequence. If you live like this in the here and now and think that there are no ramifications, don't be fooled. Heed the words of Solomon and flee that sentence. If you live like this, Think of all aspects of your life, okay? 
you, you have your personal interactions, you have your, your work and how you conduct yourself in your work. Okay, how, how might these things flesh out in your work? That's something to think through. How might this flesh out in your relationships at home? How does this flesh out in your digital presence? Are there patterns of deceit or hiding or misleading of tearing down others for the sake of your own good. Be warned. Don't think that you fooled God. Gossip, slander, strife, lying on a computer comes from the same heart of wickedness as those things perpetuated in the flesh. Junior higher, high schooler, elementary kids. Perhaps you've begun to think that it serves you well to deceive. Just a, just a little bit. I just don't have to tell the whole truth here. Oh, man, I got away with, I got away with this lie. I got away with, with saying something to, to my teacher here or to my friends over here that they don't know that, I, that that wasn't really true, and now things are going good for me. Maybe you think that it's beneficial to you to plan the downfall of others in your class or in your family to manipulate with your words and actions for your own desires while others suffer around you as a result of your actions. Beware. If you start down that path now, kids, if you start down that path now, then this is the path that you walk down, and the end of that path is calamity that comes suddenly and brokenness that is instant and irreparable. God is the one who condemns the rascal. You cannot fool God. God is the one who sentences him. God is the one who carries out the punishment. That's Solomon's warning to his son. He doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily say, don't be that. He just says, this is who this person is. This is what a worthless and a wicked man is. This is his description. This is his punishment. And so I see in there both an implicit instruction, don't be that, as well as be aware and don't be, don't be fooled by others around you who are that. Flee from that, both in your own life and in your relationships. Man, I just remember back when I was in school, it seemed like so often the, the cool kids were the ones who just created trouble all the time. Maybe I was just in a particularly corrupt school. But it was the cool kids who, who got in trouble. It was the cool kids who lied and got away with it, who, who tore down others with their words and developed these patterns of destruction for the sake of their own good. And so just, just be warned and be aware. Solomon would have you know the truth about that. But then we give thanks to God because he's provided a way to respond to this message. If you see yourself in it, then don't, don't despair. Listen to the words of Colossians as Paul describes what Jesus has accomplished in Colossians 2. Verses 13 to 14. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. See, this fits completely fits complete with the notion of crimes and judgment. You and I each have our own list of crimes, and this may suit you to a complete T, and you can say, oh my goodness, I should just only expect calamity and brokenness, and yet that's your certificate of debt. Those are the decrees that God has written against you and against myself God, has, God sits on his throne and has decreed that this is sin and these are sins and those are sins and you are in debt to me because of those things and they require payment and the only payment is death and eternal punishment for you and for me. And yet, since we're still breathing, there is hope. Since we're still breathing, there is hope for Christ offers forgiveness of those debts, for those transgressions. He has performed an act that can cancel that certificate of debt that currently condemns those outside of Christ. Through his death on the cross, and if you repent of your sins and place your faith in him for your salvation, then you can be made alive and no longer a criminal, no longer facing sudden calamity and instant irreparable brokenness. No longer a criminal condemned, but a child accepted by the Father.